the usage of fat burning was about 30 something percent when they were weren't hydrated properly and then when they had the right heat hydration in their but their fat burning rate went up to about 89 to 90 percent which is you know, typical so it shows that when we don't have enough hydration water minerals etc etc then the body just doesn't work correctly we stand today the business method the business with method. a shout out. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method Today, listeners, we are joined by the organizer of the largest biohacking conference in the UK, Tim Gray. Tim is a dedicated health optimization biohacker, a psychology specialist, and is the founder and investor of several successful London-based digital marketing agencies, the Biohacker London Meetup Group, and London's first private hyperbaric oxygen clinic. Tim is working on building a global movement in health optimization. This began with starting London's first health optimization summit, advising many well-known influencers, doctors, and specialists in the health and wellness space all over the world, and is often featured on podcasts and media regarding practical health hacks. He has been optimizing health, energy, and mind for over seven years using a vast range of of modalities and known as the UK's leading biohacker due to his vast knowledge of human optimization, plus due to detailed tracking of more than 35 plus biomarkers per day. The Biohacker London Meetup group has over 1,500 active members with world-renowned speakers attending every event. Throughout the show, we chat with Tim about all areas of biohacking. He takes us through the biohacks that have helped him regain his health and energy levels to continue being a high-performing entrepreneur. And before we jump into the episode, you guys, we just got to give a quick plug for our upcoming Get Shit Done live event in Thailand. It starts October 24th, 10 days, a retreat in Thailand where you surround yourself with some amazing entrepreneurs from all over the world that are building incredible businesses. And we spend 10 days getting a lot of shit done in a short period of time. Some people say it's getting, it's like getting three months of work done in 10 days and it's an incredible experience. You guys check out the details on our website, thebusinessmethod.com if you're interested. And without further ado, let's get back to Tim and talk about biohacking. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome to the show, and we are welcoming Tim Gray on the podcast. Tim is uh, the founder of Health Optimization Summit. It's uh, the is it the largest UK biohacking summit, Tim? It's the only UK biohacking summit at the so moment. So it's the largest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is definitely the largest. 
How many people do you have expecting coming to the summit? Uh, twelve to fifteen hundred, hopefully. That's big, man. And this is your first health optimization summit, correct? First as me being the CEO, yeah, definitely. But yeah. our combined team is like fifteen years of experience uh, okay. across the two partners. Yeah. But you are also the founder of uh, Biohacking Lon- Biohacker London Meetup, which yeah. has yeah nine hundred people or so. It's actually uh, fifteen hundred now. It's actually yeah, it's growing like it's growing like crazy. Okay, you got to update your bio because it says nine hundred on the bio. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like uh, I, I love like you and I met in Croatia a year ago, and um, I love just chatting about biohacking, health, optimizing productivity, focus. You know all this stuff. And I, I remember our conversations last year, where we were you were talking about salmon and tuna, mm. and uh, how you avoid those. And we'll talk about those in a bit. But um, and then we met again this year, also in Croatia, and and having some more fun conversations on biohacking. And then some of the people that you were hanging out with, you introduced me to. And uh, I, I love this, man. It's so cool that we can really optimize our levels of performance based on just um, what we're putting in our bodies and these these fun biohacking hacks that we can play with. So first off, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, it's good to get you on the mic. Tell us, like, how long have you been a biohacker, Tim? Uh, around eight years. Um, four, four of those years, I didn't realize I was a biohacker. I just was into this <laughs> health optimization stuff and tracking everything on with data. Right. What is, so one of the things that we were talking about briefly before the show is how we're using technology in today's world to mimic um, nature mm. in un, our quote unquote unnatural world. And those are your, your words. Mm. So let's dive into it. Like, let's start talking about it. There's, it seems like every month there's new things that come out that uh, address new technology that we can use to perform better and to, to hack our bodies. So I'm just going to let you have the mic for a minute, Tim, and just kind of, <laughs> kind of share your thoughts on this realm and where you think it's headed. I mean, there's, yeah, thank you. I mean, there's so many advancements going on at the moment. We're looking at so many different areas of, of health. And one of the patterns I've noticed is that everything we're doing, as you say, is mimicking a natural environment in an unnatural world. I mean, we've got things like um, flip-flops or thongs, I think you call them in other countries, mm-hmm. that have grounding, um, I, like a metal thing that's on the bottom that connects your foot on the on the soil or on the ground which is obviously connecting you with the earth which there's actually science behind which is called grounding and you get negative electrons from the earth Uh, i mean that's one example or you've got red light therapy which is mimicking sunset in terms of the light rays or you've got sad lighting to um fix seasonal affective disorder which is blue light which is the same as or similar to sunrise or hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which is mimicking clean air and saturating yourselves, or should I say, filling yourselves um, properly with the right oxygen opposed to polluted air. Or one of the cryotherapy, it's mimicking jumping as close as it can to being in a cold lake, which is where we would usually wash. Or cold plunges is exactly the same. You know, um, high intensity training, running after an animal to kill it so that we could feed ourselves, intermittent fasting because we didn't have a fridge 
with food in it just to grab um, whenever we were hungry. Water with minerals added to it because we'd normally drink from a fresh stream or something. You know, everything that we're doing is, is pointing back to the same thing. And even a lot of the pharmaceutical advancements, quote unquote advancements, are a lot of the, the drugs are based on natural things um, and yet change slightly. So, you know, I mean, it, it's showing how we're advancing, but we're also using pre-advancement things <laughs> to help us. So it's like using technology to mimic a natural environment in an unnatural world. Right. It, it's really incredible um, how deep this rabbit hole can get because uh, like things like grounding, for example, um, it, te- tell us the science behind that because we all know as kids, like it's fun to take off your shoes and run across the dirt, you know, and play in the grass. Uh, and as adults, we don't do that that much, but when we do it, it feels good. When we stick our feet in, in, in water, mm-hmm. it feels good. Like something changes within our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the science exactly behind grounding? So it's all based around, um, Clint Ober's work. So Clint Ober okay. is the guy that realized, um, years ago that when you connect with the earth it does something to you and he's made a couple of documentaries of which the newest one is actually airing at the the health optimization summit in in september um so what the basic science is is when we connect with the earth it gives us negative we get negative electrons basically and what that does is it scavenges is free scavenges free radicals which essentially is an antioxidant which reduces inflammation in the body so yeah so here we are all inflamed and trying to take all these antioxidants and whatnot and yet all we need to do is take our shoes off and get on the ground wow and it's really really that basic and there's studies and more and more things backing this up but because there's not double blind studies then it's not real (laughs) um you know and i think that that's the shame but i mean there's many people with chronic health issues that have literally just changed one thing which was connecting with the ground and i think one of the things when people meditate they sit in the grass they connect with the earth um Mm. as as woo woo as it sounds it's actually not we're just led to believe it is and you're right about water being in water when you put your feet into the water when you think about it right now putting your toes into nice cool water it almost relaxes you because you're conditioned to feel that when you're there well when you're actually doing it it's actually connecting you to the earth and, and super connecting you actually because the conductivity of water is actually very very good compared to just your feet on the ground so yeah so that's why it's 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 so important so um and and we're talking about like the physical earth if you're walking across concrete it's 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 not as strong is that right um i can't say whether it's as strong or not but if it's obviously mineral and it's still connecting to the earth and it's not got a plastic sheet under it then Uh then it should be fine and there are ways of testing it there are some um devices out there you can do to test it and i actually found the other day something that you can put on the sole of your trainer that goes up the side into your shoe and makes you connect so you can walk around earthed out. I think they're called <laughs> E-R-T-H-E, and it's um, .au.com, I think it is. And Clint Ober actually um, messaged me about it and I hadn't heard of them before. So it's it's really, really great, actually. I've got a pair of those in order. How often should a, should a person kick off their shoes and walk across the dirt or the grass? Well, think about it from an evolutional perspective how often would we be connected to the earth yeah all every day all the time voila um obviously it's not 
it's not uh, possible when you're living in a city without looking like a, a crazy, crazy tramp. <laughs> but, right. but I mean, as much as you can is, is ideal. I, I think the longer that you have, obviously, the more inflammation that's really uh, like the more anti-inflammatory results you get from it because if, in theory, we should be connected with the earth most of the time when we're asleep, when we're walking around, when we're in the sea, everything. So, yeah. Well, I was thinking about it. I don't know the last time I, I've walked, you know, I live, I live in Lisbon now and we're in the center of the city. I don't know. I guess we walked on the sand on the beach mm. last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. But other than that, you know, shoes to walk across the city, shoes in my apartment. Well, mm. uh, we kick them off in an apartment, but it's not on the dirt. So mm. unless you have a yard, if you're living in the city and you have an apartment, it's rarely that we get to do that, right? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very rare. I mean, my balcony has uh, pavement uh, slabs on it and yeah. a metal railing, but it does actually earth out. So I'm out on the balcony with the sunlight coming down all afternoon, earthed out, standing there as much as I can, just like like now when I'm on the podcast, actually. <laughs> Maybe that's the next new thing is grass on our balconies mm -hmm. so we can ground. <laughs> mm. Well, actually, in, in Clint Ober's first documentary, um, they showed a difference between a plant and a plant pot and a plant uh -huh. that was in a plant pot with a wire connected to the earth and yeah. the difference in how it survived with and without water. So if you did have grass on your balcony, as long as it was connected to the earth in some form, then I, I think that that would, that would probably suffice. Uh, but again, it's speculation. I, watch the documentary and you'll see, you'll see how amazing it was. What's the name of the documentary? I think it's Earthing. Um, if you Google, yeah, if you Google Clint, Clint Ober, O-B-E-R, and grounding, you'll see. You know, it's so interesting. Like, a lot of people still consider, you know, this woo-woo stuff. And even though there's a lot of people that, you know, swear upon it and, and science is proving it, um, you know, every everything that was once upon a time uh, or that is now proven, uh, not everything, but a lot mm. of things were once upon a time woo-woo, mm. you know. And, and I like the example of germ theory, for example. You know, a guy saw people um, or surgeons uh, delivering babies and then going to do surgery afterwards and not washing mm. their hands. And mm. he realized, hey, maybe that's not a smart idea that, you know, mortality rate for babies were higher if they were having being born at home. And people thought they were crazy. They put him in a mental home and the guards beat him up and killed him. Yeah. And and because this guy threw out the idea of germ theory, then, a, you know, a few decades later, it got proven as fact. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is this is interesting because like things like this are getting proven and then people are like oh wow there really is some science to that well i think that well there's three stages that is, I, I know that case in history actually and there's three stages that they talk about and it's um truth passes through three stages first it's ridiculed second it's violently opposed third it's excel accepted as self-evident and that's yeah. uh, that's a common historical um process we go yeah. through and i think one of the things that's changed significantly especially with double blind studies and things that n equals one i if i do something i see a positive result i then talk about it lots of other people talk about it and we have n equals one times a thousand well that's a pretty big group of data to mm -hmm. see you know hey 70 percent of people actually got better from doing this and you know certain professions say well you know that could be placebo yeah it could be you're right but if it's working with 70 percent of the people that's significantly better than a lot of other things out there when when it comes to grounding there is science behind it and you know as i say it does sound woo woo but it works yeah 
What's your experience with, with placebo? Have you guys uh, done any testing with placebo and biohacking and, and, and played with it? Um, well, I think it works. I mean, a lot of people, especially in the biohacking space, when they're early days, they hear about biohacking. They think it's a funky, cool thing. They start taking more supplements and they feel amazing. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen people take tinctures of something or other and go, yeah, I feel amazing. It's like, well, that's, you know, that's partly social proof and partly being a hype in the moment and dopamine from chasing all these shiny toys. Um, so I think that placebo is around us everywhere anyway, but ultimately placebo doesn't really matter because as we can think about one thing, our state changes, which then has a change on our bodies and our immune systems and everything, which is why meditation works so well. Is meditation placebo? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Are you, do you meditate regularly? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I used to meditate a lot. Um, yeah. And then I read a quote. And I think it was a Dalai Lama that it came from is sleep is the best form of meditation. Mm, touche. Uh, how, how often are you meditating nowadays? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, if you optimize your sleep, if you get it down properly and track it and then optimize the best you can, you feel so much better. You have clearer head. You don't get so stressed. Your uh, hormones and emotions level out. And you don't need to meditate so much. So I used to meditate anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes a day, depending on how stressed I was. Now I don't find that I get stressed because I sleep so much better. And I meditate for up to 10 minutes a day, no more, um, using a really cool app that, I'm that I've been testing out for the last few weeks. Um, and and how, do you, how are you optimizing your sleep? <laughs> One of many ways. So, <laughs> I mean, it starts with the aura ring and... I know okay. it's probably the most funky or most used biohacking biohacker tool that there is. So the Aura Ring obviously um, tracks your deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep, heart rate variability, resting heart rate, activity, body temperature, respiratory rate, all of these things. So depending on what you do, you can see the actual impact on your sleep on a night-by-night -night basis. Okay. Um, so if I walk around my room, which I'm going to do now, I will tell you a few things that that uh, I have in place. So I have a grounding bed sheet, which is obviously connects to the negative, uh, sorry, the new, the earthing socket on the wall, which means that I'm obviously reducing inflammation throughout the night. I have 100% 100% blackout blind, uh, which means that my room is pitch black now because I do work late after sunset and I do use devices that do have some blue light. Even though I wear blue blocking glasses to make sure that my, my, I start producing my own melatonin, I still wake up after sunrise. So therefore, you need to have a blackout blind to stop you from waking up um, okay. so that you get enough sleep. So I, my natural sleep cycle is on average 7 hours, 41 minutes. And that is through going to bed, you know, after having all blue blacked out and the, the room blacked out as well. Uh, I also use melatonin depending on my if I've been wearing blue blockers or what time I've gone to bed or how stimulated I am. Mm -hmm. I also have, um, and I'm testing again, adding in certain types of magnesium to see if that does improve me as well. So that, that's that. I also use uh, a red light stack like the Juve Rejuvenator, Red Light Rising, any of those brands as uh, my night light for my bedroom. So it's completely red. Okay. So that, that way I've got no blue light going around. I have um, an essential oil diffuser 
uh, vaporizer that I have lavender in. I've tested about 15 to 20 different oils as well to see how much of an impact that has on me. Obviously, I turn the Wi-Fi off. I have my mobile phone off. I don't have an alarm clock, so I sleep and wake naturally. I have a Himalayan rock salt lamp next to my bed, which some people do believe in, some people don't believe in, but uh, I believe it works for negative um, electrons and also giving minerals in, you know, in the air. And especially if I use air conditioning, I mean, it's important to have that on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I use a Soma Vedic uh, EMF harmonizer as well at the moment, which I'm testing out to see if that works with my heart rate variability. There's actually a whole group of the biohackers from London are actually, I think there's about 30 units gone out as a test to see what the data looks like for heart rate variability across the whole group. So as a result of doing those things, and I do 16 to 18 different things every day or have them in place every day. Uh, I get my sleep score anywhere from 82 to 96 or 97 is the highest from aura. So anyone that uses an aura will know that's pretty kick-ass on an average. Wow. And do you feel when you wake up in the morning, you're just feeling incredibly refreshed? Yeah. Yeah. At one point I didn't feel like I'd slept at all before I was optimizing my sleep. And, and I think that's partly down to adrenal fatigue and partly down to not mineralizing properly. So my, I was running on adrenaline most of the time. Uh, opposed to actually my my proper electrical system working correctly, which stresses you out more. And uh, by having a glass of Himalayan rock salt water before bed, you know, it it really does help you um, repair the damage that you've done during the day while you sleep, (laughs) basically. And that's one thing that Dr. Jack Cruz talks about is a controversial guy, but it has some really good science behind him is that when when we sleep, we're actually using the sunlight and the energy that we've collected through the day from various sources, whether that's from, you know, an orange or, or some beef or whatever it may be. And using that energy from the sun to reverse the damage that we've done while we've been awake. So therefore we're really recharging and defragging during the night. So if you haven't got your sleep down, you're not going to be repairing and you're going to rage quicker. Right. Yeah. And any, do you, do you sleep at the same times every night or is it? I, I try to, yeah, I try to. Um, but because I've been in and out of the States quite a lot this year, seeing friends and going to conferences and things like that. And when I do go, it's generally LA. So Cali eight hours difference to where I am in London. It's quite a heavy, heavy hit. Although I don't get jet lagged, it still does play with your circadian rhythm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, there's other biohacks that you can use to, uh, combat that, or should I say, optimize that, like the human charger or, or melatonin and things like that. And do you do you have pretty vivid dreams when you're sleeping? Mm, I used to when I yeah. when I was testing iodine therapy. Actually, uh, due to a deficiency, I would have absolutely crazy, crazy dreams. Uh, <laughs> and and when you add in different minerals or or write different deficiencies, then often your dreams can get quite vivid nowadays i don't i don't really remember them anymore i i find when i meditate the more that i meditate the the more i remember and the more vivid my dreams are (laughs) have you ever experienced that Mm, not really not really Uh, i have thinking about it i haven't had memorable dreams for a while um i've just started using uh, a device called heart math today which Mm -hmm. um which is supposed to be really good at changing your uh, your state and calming things. So it'd be interesting to see if I start dreaming after adding this in the last in the last forty eight hours. 
I used to not remember my dreams and, and I felt like a piece of me was kind of missing. And so I just told myself like one day I was like, I'm going to remember my dreams from here on out. And then Mm -hmm. I just started remembering my dreams. It's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're making more conscious awareness of it. Apparently a friend of mine once told me that if you wake up and you write down your dreams, literally as soon as you start moving your muscles, that's when you start forgetting. So if you can remember them, write them down and then you can actually control and shape your dreams accordingly. Uh, Mm, Which is, that sounds fun. mm -hmm. Um, um, I know Jim Quick does that. Like he, that's one of the things he does. He, he, right when he gets up, he, um, remembers his dreams and I believe he, I don't know if he actually writes them down or not, but he spends some time before he gets out of bed, just remembering those dreams before he actually gets up for, mm-hmm. I guess it's part of his learning process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's something that you were talking about that, that I don't know exactly what it is. Hyperbaric therapy. Mm. and uh, that's a new term for me. What Can you define that? Yeah, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is when you lie in a diving chamber, which was originally developed you know, a long, long time ago for people that had the bends that came up too quickly. And what they do yeah. is they put them in a diving chamber, put them to a certain atmospheric pressure, say two or three atmospheric pressures, um, administer them you know, 99 or 97% oxygen, and then bring them back to normal atmospheric pressure slowly and that was just to do with um well basically coming up from the sea uh, deep sea diving too quickly and uh that's where it came from originally but what they found is in that if you administered it to people that had sickness illness fatigue um people with diabetic foot wounds is the classic the absolute classic for hyperbaric oxygen therapy because what it does is it gets more oxygen into your body, into the nooks and the crannies, essentially, which helps the body heal from the inside out. So if you've got something that hasn't got good circulation, so it's not getting enough oxygen to it on the inside, especially when there's a lot of inflammation around, you know, a big wound. If you have hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you get so much more oxygen to it, which helps the body heal. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, brain fog is a classic one off label, basically. And it's, it, it's, not it's classed as a drug the oxygen is obviously but it's not patentable so it's not used in mainstream medicine generally and there are three or four different uses for it in in the medical world that the insurance companies um, recognize it for but it actually has far more off-label uses i i heard about it through the bulletproof radio with dave asprey you know three three and a half years ago and mm-hmm. he mentioned it in passing saying that it was it was awesome so i, I googled it found a place there was nowhere in london So I went and tried it out and just found it was incredible for mental clarity, for my energy. And I felt like me again. So I opened a clinic up in London. Actually, I built one um, in the space of a month, opened it up and, you know, the first private hyperbaric clinic in London. (laughs) So it's a pretty fun journey. And I I know you have, well, at one point in time, I think you mentioned earlier that you had like 18 biomarkers or so that you checked through your days, but at one time you had like up to 35. Yeah, 35. So so biomarker, basically like uh, little biohacks that you do on a, is it daily basis Mm. to keep, to keep optimized? Is that right? So I do many blood tests uh, privately um, and personally for myself, uh, full blood count on a regular, very regular basis. I have my growth hormone levels checked because I was once deficient in them. Um, as well as I check things like, uh, specific gravity in the urine every day. I know that sounds a bit weird, but it tells you, you know, how many, how, how hydrated you are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that's been that had been a big issue for me in the past a big big issue i mean it's really interesting because i this is a relevant tangent i went to see someone that uh, does metabolic testing while you're working out to see how you're using how you're burning fat and carbohydrates and you know how your metabolic rate is basically and one of the things that he showed me with all of his his clients that come in they get pre-assessed before they start working out at the gym is to see how efficient they are and people were burning like their use the usage of fat burning was about 30 something percent when they were weren't hydrated properly and then when they had the right heat hydration in their burn their fat burning rate went up to about 89 to 90 percent which is wow. you know, typical so it shows that when we don't have enough hydration water minerals etc etc then the body just doesn't work correctly doesn't burn the fat properly which is obviously causes fatigue and things so it shows how vitally important hydration is and it's been a massive focus for me i'm actually writing a book on it at the moment hydration specifically so it's been an interesting journey but um that's just one of those markers there's obviously body temperature i was at one point testing my body temperature four or five times a day and plotting it averaging it out and then as i added in different supplements and worked on um, my methylation which is based on genetic variations to see how my body temperature and metabolic rate came up as a result of the things i was doing uh, there's also uh, <laughs> strange ones like stool frequency and consistency the amount of time i'd pee every uh, times i'd pee every day and various other things as well and then adding in the right minerals means that you don't pee so much um, and hold on to your fluids better, which means you're hydrated better, which means that you have better energy and everything else works correctly. So yeah, it's really been on a very detailed level. Incredible, man. And are you, I mean, you're recording this, but do you blog about any of this or is this like any place the public can, can go and see like what your biomarkers are? And No, not really. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I started writing a blog a long time ago, um, myjourneybacktohealth.com. But I found yeah. that I was writing too much and found that I wasn't focusing on my goal of getting healthier and healthier. So I kind of stopped and let that trail off. But really, I mean, I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently, especially around the Health Optimization Summit, because so many people have been reaching out to me once they've heard my story and the things yeah. that I've been doing. And it, it's caused quite a noise in, in the, the health stroke, health optimization stroke biohacking space because the collaboration between my business partners and, and I is quite, well, quite big. So I think I've been sharing it out different experiences on different podcasts that I've been doing, whether it's about, you know, mercury toxicity, which was my, the starting point for me down to gut health, uh, down to sunlight and grounding or the fundamentals of health and all the different things between. So I, I like to do it more verbally. Um, but I'm thinking about starting my own YouTube channel soon and actually yeah. sharing these on a more of a, strategic stroke uh formalized way yeah you mentioned mercury toxicity and i think that's what we were talking about a year ago with the salmon and tuna mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. there's high levels can you can you explain that a little bit more for the listeners yeah yeah of course i mean mercury is very prevalent in bigger fish especially okay. tuna swordfish the likes the smaller fish don't go around collecting so much. Whereas the bigger fish, obviously lots and lots and lots and, you know, has up to a thousand times the amount of mercury in it. I hear, I think that there's people out there that says, Oh, it's fine. If you have selenium or the high levels of selenium, then mercury doesn't matter. In my opinion, mercury is still mercury. It's the second most toxic substance known to man. Um, that's not man made. And therefore it is very, 
It's very dangerous in my opinion. And yet we have it in metal fillings. It's in the fish and um, it's in light bulbs. It's in all the diff these different sources. And when, when you check on a cellular level, a lot of people have high levels of it. And I, it's almost, a, it's become so obvious to me when I meet someone, whether or not they have high levels of mercury. And often I say, really? oh, have you ever had it tested? And many people have without realizing it through their naturopathic doctor or uh, naturopath or their integrated doctor or something or other. Um, and it has a massive impact on the immune system. It stops certain enzymatic reactions. It causes brain fog. It causes digestive issues and many other things as well. And I think getting it out is really important, but getting it out correctly is even more important because you can screw yourself up from doing it incorrectly. Where do, and, and where are we getting it? Getting it from from seafood yes, directly? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so seafood, especially if it's farmed salmon or okay. farmed fish, because what they do is they collect lots and lots and lots of fish up from the, the bottom of the Baltic Sea, which is actually not good sea at all. And they compact that, make it into fish food. It's very high in mercury with other antibiotics and things like that. So the salmon obviously don't get ill because they're so badly treated. And then the salmon can be quite toxic and high in mercury as a result. And then you're eating it. Uh, you can, if you buy wild or wild caught salmon, opposed to not just not the, what is it? Responsibly sourced. I, I don't even know what that means. Um, or, or farm salmon. A lot of restaurants will say farm salmon as if it's a good thing. It's like corn fed beef. No, actually it's grass fed wild, wild herb fed beef is, you know, the best. Whereas right. they, they say it like it's great having it as farmed. Yeah. Farmed. Um, so uh, yeah, that's something to look out for. And I was, I was eating salmon, sushi every single day of my life before I got ill and I would oh, have really? I had seven metal fillings in my mouth an inch away from my pituitary gland um, uh -huh. so yeah it's a big area for me I'm still not completely over it I'm still working on it but my immune system has improved as I've collated more and more out of me so you don't eat any salmon anymore right or do you uh, only I was going to say farmed oh. then only uh, wild oh, wow. yeah only wild Okay. And, and when you were ill, what, what were you ill with exactly? Uh, so I had, I started off with, uh, getting immune issues, um, okay. kidney infections, urinary tract infections. I seem to have one every day. Uh, I'd have frequent urination. I'd pee 30 to 50 times a day, every day. Oh my was, I'd drink a cup of tea or whatever, and it'd be out again 10 minutes later. And I'd seem to pee more than I would drink. It was very, very weird. Mm -hmm. I'd then start having antibiotics because I was getting so many infections. Uh, because my immune system was low. So I then started getting bloating and not digesting my food properly and got more and more and more bloated and more and more deficient because I couldn't digest my food properly uh, to the point where I started forming kidney stones as well, really bad ones, and got uh, got one stuck in my ureter, which was scraping me from the inside out. Apparently it's one of the worst things that you can have pain-wise, mm -hmm. um, which was horrendous. Um, what else? I've had obviously brain fog go on for years, which is resolved now. I've had um, root canal teeth infections. I, I mean, there's a whole list of things, mainly around digestive and urinary issues. Mm -hmm. And um, for, for how many years, Tim? Uh, in total, eight years, actually. It's been a fight. Okay. It's been a fight for eight years. The last two years have been significantly better as I found more and more things out and refined more and more. But at one point, I, was, I couldn't leave the house. I was so poorly. Oh, and yeah. um, 
I, I'm, I'm known for saying this and I, I hate saying it actually because I feel like I say it too much but at one point I was so ill I didn't have the energy to hold an umbrella up one day uh, that, mm. that's that's how little energy I had and uh, yeah and what's the majority of this from from the mercury levels in your body I would say the the mercury when I've mapped it out on a cause and effect chart i.e. what symptom comes from what and what is causing what I would say that the mercury would was causing immune issues which meant okay. that I had to have certain things to help my immune system fight off infections such as antibiotics were then caused a, a knock-on effect of things like deficiencies as a result of not being able to digest my food properly. So I would say that, yeah, it would cause an effect would come back to the mercury and arsenic actually, which was intercellular quite high, both of those. And, and where does that come from, the arsenic? Apparently from rice. Apparently, really? yeah, from rice, uh, brown rice specifically, because it's really? not being processed, cleaned, bleached, washed, whatever they do to it. So it can be quite high. So, yeah, but I've never, I've never figured out where that came from. All I know now is my arsenic levels are significantly lower than they were. Um, mercury levels are a lot lower as well, but there's still a way to go. Do you avoid yeah. rice now? Um, not really. I, I have it from time to time. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much ketogenic. So okay. I like to be metabolic flexible in ketosis one day, two or three days in a row, and then, you know, add some carbs in depending on what my body needs. So I don't really generally eat rice, but when I do brown, it's fine because I have it so infrequently. Okay. Got it. And, and we were talking about hydration a bit earlier. You're testing yourself or you were on a regular basis. And that's something that I always have been, uh, like I swear on my life, I'm much more productive when I have a glass of water next to me all day long. Right. And it's whatever about being hydrated. It really makes me perform better in many different ways. And you were talking about how it also burns fat when you're more hydrated. Um, so, so for the regular person, like I just manage my hydration based on really the color, color of my urine, um, and making sure that I have plenty of water throughout the day. What are, what are for the regular person, is that the best way to just tell if you're hydrated or, or <laughs> well, it how do you test yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't tell you how hydrated you are, actually. They say that if your urine's yellow, it means that you're hydrated. Well, actually, it doesn't. It means that you're flushing out all the toxins. It doesn't necessarily mean you're hydrated because that doesn't tell you cellular hydration. So to be okay. hydrated, you need the water to be in the cell the same with the oxygen in the cell. You need that in the cell. It doesn't matter about if it's like not in the cell. So okay. adding the right minerals in, um, not just one magnesium or potassium or whatever. That's why I like full spectrum mineral, such as Dr. Kinton hydration or um, something with 78 minerals in it, maybe Himalayan rock salt in water. So that helps you really hydrate because we, we do – so. Water actually has, or should I say hydration has two purposes. One is the water, the liquid to keep our blood liquid and to flush out toxins. Mm -hmm. And two is to move around the electrolytes and oxygen, I guess, around the body so it can process the electrical system. So there's okay. two things. So you're sure you can drink water without any minerals in it, but all you'll do is just flush more and more minerals out of your bloodstream because it would dilute your blood. So the more water you drink, the more you need to drink because your body's actually thirsty for minerals. So oh, if you don't add minerals in in some way, so this is why stream water that's come through rocks is high in mineral content. Like when you go away to Turkey or any of these hot countries, when you taste the water, it's always high in bicarbonate or high in minerals. You can taste the sodium and things. It's yeah. significantly better. But when you drink 
glacier water. It's hardly got any minerals in it. It's actually more water than minerals. They call it mineral water or um, whatever, but it doesn't necessarily have high in minerals in it. So you just need to drink more and more and more, which is about consumption. So that's why some people say, oh, I need to drink three liters of water a day. Well, actually, if you have high mineral content water, you don't need to drink three liters a day. You really? just don't. Yeah. You, you hold on to the water better. It actually gets into the cell better correctly. Now, when I, when I had frequent urination after I realized I didn't have any urinary tract infections or anything, and that's part of the reason why I test my urine daily is just to see that is I was adding in different minerals one by one to see which ones helped me hold on to the water. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until I added in potassium, specifically potassium gluconate that I found was the most effective for me each day that I found that I held onto the water more and I stopped needing to pee so much. Now, when I look on a cellular level at what my potassium levels are, I'm low. Mm -hmm. So if you add potassium in, <laughs> you hold onto the water more, which means it gets into the cell more, which means you're more hydrated from the inside out, opposed to just drinking more and more water and peeing more and more and more. You can see how important this hydration piece is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In in potassium, we need to get that through the mineral minerals in some form of liquid. Like we we can't get it from a banana, or can we? Um, well, you can get potassium from there, but then you obviously need to break down that as well, and that can be quite high in sugar. And depending mm -hmm. on your gut status or your bacteria levels or systemic yeast levels, then you might not want more sugar. So, I mean. Again, I would consider supplementing a form of biohacking, obviously. You can obviously do it from the natural sources with things that are high in potassium as well. Sure, have an avocado or whatnot. But again, for me, I'm, on, I'm actually testing a low histamine diet at the moment because whenever I have something like avocado, my nose blocks up and I get a histamine reaction, which comes mm -hmm. back to the gut. So I'd rather not have um, potassium from avocado and I'd rather not have banana for the sweetness because I'm ketogenic most of the time. So adding in potassium into my bulletproof coffee or a glass of water in the afternoon is perfect. So um, what are some of the symptoms from having uh, relatively low minerals from just drinking, just say filtered water or natural or uh, uh, the regular, like the waters you get in bottles? Mm, well, you pee more and more and more. And I expect many people listening to this are going, oh my God, that's me. I seem to drink more and more water <laughs> yeah. and I pee more and more and I just always thirsty. Well, you know, that's common. I can hear you drinking right now, actually. Um, yep. <laughs> and I mean, it's, that's very common. The more you drink, the more you need to drink, in, in all honesty. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the sports industry obviously knows that things like electrolytes within Lucasade or Gatorade or whatever it is you want to call it in your own country, um, you know, they add in certain ones to hydrate you from the inside out. They also give you a boost of sugar as well. Right. But if you can do the minerals, electrolytes on their own, then that's perfect. So frequent urination um lethargy brain fog um not being able to get into ketosis properly is another one and a whole a whole array of things when you when you have it correctly um so if you're if you're low in minerals and you're not hydrated well you are stressing your adrenals which means that you could get adrenal fatigue which means all your hormones could be out of balance so by having the right building blocks for life and the right minerals and the right amino acids um, then your body can rebuild and work off of its electrical system without stressing your adrenals. Mm. So like, for example, we drink bottled water everywhere because we travel a lot and, and we don't always trust the water that comes from taps. So what are some of the basic minerals that you, that you would recommend actually the average person or anybody 
um, that is drinking filtered water like this put in their their water? Well, number one, don't drink tap water again. <laughs> just okay. don't. Just don't. Yeah. It's dead water. It's been filtered and processed, and there's loads of crap in it. In my opinion, it's got hormones in it from the water system, which means right. it imbalance your hormonal system. Um, so if you do use tap water, use a decent water filter, a really decent water one, not not just a standard retail one. I've got a Berkey okay. water filter, which clear out 99.99% of everything, apparently. Um, and you can put, obviously, color dye in the top and it will come out clear, apparently. Nice. So that's one thing. So don't drink tap water again. Um, always use bottled water. Or filtered water if it's bottled water don't buy plastic bottles that's banned from my life at the moment because mm. there's so many regardless of the bpa or any of the chemicals that they say that they leave out of plastics these days they are hormone disrupting chemicals in plastic mm. we and those bottles are full of them and as soon as the plastic gets hot when they're on on the back of a ship somewhere then mm. that's even worse so glass bottles high mineral water is what I would recommend wherever you go. If not, it's better to go without, in my opinion. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you drink if you don't have access to high mineral water? I would have filtered water. Um, uh, okay. extreme, I think I've drunk tap water once in the last year. Um, okay. That was because I was just so damn thirsty. But I carry around a little sachet of Himalayan rock salt with me everywhere. So I just add some of those minerals um, into my water when I'm out and about if it's filtered. If it's bottled, then obviously I, I sometimes do, depending on the brand. So if you're using Himalayan rock salt on your food, um, mm. then it's a good, then it's, then is that, a, is that a good replacement mm. for having that in your water? Yes, it is. Yeah, definitely. Okay. definitely. I mean, I, I, the other thing is, is that people that have had gut issues or bloating and things like that, that aren't digesting their food properly. And um, they might not get the minerals from their food in the quantities that they need. So... Mm you can bypass having to get the minerals from your food by adding them to your water because they're, mm -hmm. they're absorbed into the body much quicker. So if you add them to the food, that's good as well. Adding it to water means that you are charging your electrical system accordingly. Um, so, but if you do both, then that's good. I mean, Himalayan rock salt is very good. Definitely. There are better ones out there at the moment. If you have sea salt uh, and it's white, it means it's been refined somehow, which means it loses some of its, it's goodness. At the moment, I'm testing real salt by Redmond, which is um, unrefined mineral salt from America. And it's more of a gray color, like Celtic sea salt. I find that to be very good. I need to use a lot less of that to stay hydrated. Um, one of the things that, that I've been doing for the past five years is getting blood tests regularly. And I heard a, a quote one time that it, uh, I don't know who said it, maybe it's Tim Ferriss, but if you're, if you're getting your oil checked, uh, if you're checking your oil more than you're checking your blood, your priorities are off. And, and I thought that was a really great quote. Um, so I started getting blood tests on a regular basis. How often do you recommend the average person get blood tests? average person <laughs> um yeah. yeah oh it depends i mean it really depends if you've got illness sickness going on and what you need to track uh, yeah. full full blood count which is uh, white blood cell count red blood cell count um, and liver functions and things like that is is pretty standard um once a month once every two months depending on what you're tracking my my okay. white blood cell count seems to go up and down a bit but my crp always seems to stay very low and that's one of the one the main thing the inflammation marker of crp i like to keep an eye on specifically 
And you would recommend once every two months, even for like just the average healthy person that doesn't have any problems? Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even need to do that once every six months for a standard healthy okay. person. But if someone's fatigued, for instance, you might want to look at different areas. You might want to do a Dutch hormone panel test or um, or if you've got bloating, you might want to do an organic acids test to see you know, what yeast levels or bacteria levels are in the urine to see if there's a leaky gut situation that needs healing. Um, or, okay. I mean, uh, the one that I would recommend to everyone is something that Dr. Ted Akakoso and Dr. Scott Sher will be speaking about at the Health Optimization Summit is about cellular health and how that's going to be the future of preventative. Because what you do is with one test, and it's done by Genova Labs, which is readily available in the US and the UK, is uh, looking at the body on a cellular level, which is a relatively new thing for retail um, to be able to get hold of for the general public. What that does, it looks at the cell and sees what's in the cell that shouldn't be and what isn't in the cell that should be so that you can either supplement or adjust your food or whatever to make sure that your cells have the right building blocks so your body can repair and do its job naturally. Opposed to, I mean, one of the things that Martin Tobias, the uh, CEO of Bulletproof Upgrade Labs, uh, is it's known very well for talking about as he went to the doctors once and said, you know, I've just turned 50, I think it is or whatever. And, um, I want to know how to be better. And the doctor said, what, what's wrong with you? And he said, Oh, nothing. And he said, well, <laughs> how can I be better? And he said, well, there's nothing wrong. He goes, I didn't come here because anything's wrong. I came here to know how to be better. And he said, well, I can't really help you then. Well, it just shows that, you know, how do you, how do you improve? Well, in my opinion, if you look at the set on a cellular level, you know the micro or macro things that you need to do to make the body work as it should do. That's, yeah. that's, that's where I think the future of preventative health is going to be. And a lot of people in all big industries are saying preventative is the future. And I, I truly believe it is. Yeah. There's a difference between chronic illness and um, emergency. And I think yeah. that those two should be symbiotic and work complementary. Um, opposed to you know everything everything chronic being looked after by the emergency guys and I, i'm a big fan of it don't get me wrong i mean it's helped help me get me out of trouble several times so i'm very very thankful for the for the, for the way things are but i just think that the next evil stage of evolution is you know preventative and i think intercellular is the way to go what's your tim um well actually let's shift and talk a little bit business real quick mm. um the health optimization summit uh, is coming up here in a few weeks and I, i'm impressed with your speakers you've got man you've got some absolutely amazing people dr andrew hill who came on the podcast recently then there's good old john gray men are for mars women are for venus i haven't seen him for a while <laughs> but a smart guy nonetheless mm -hmm. and then of course the king of biohacking, Dave Asprey from Bulletproof Radio, mm. um, plus like a, a probably another thirty or forty more people you have speaking there. Uh, David Rabin, uh, which we both met, and, mm. and, and who's an amazing um, neuroscientist and doing the largest uh, psychedelic study in the world, I believe, mm. right now. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, tell us tell us about this. The, well, here's what's exciting. You know, we're doing this series of a hundred major influencers, and here you're gathering all these influencers for um, you know a summit, which is really cool, a live summit in the UK, mm -hmm. and um, that's what it's all about. Like going to places like this and picking the brains of these. Uh, incredibly intelligent people mm. and learning from them so you can just go home and, and be a better person in whatever field it is so, mm. yeah. yes 
Well, I mean, it came about, and I'll, I'll be really quick on this, but I mean, a year ago I had a seizure or something or other, and I was in a very high pressured job running uh, two or three digital agencies at the time. And I was running, you know, I was really pushing myself. And thanks to biohacking, I was sleeping well and repairing well, but something wasn't quite right. And I had a seizure and, you know, very, very close to, to dying. And I got up the next day and I just, I, and I, I had one day off and then I went back into the office and realized yeah. that something wasn't right. And I just didn't like, okay, I'm fighting to have health, even though I'm in, in this space, it shouldn't be like this. I'm going to change something. I thought, what do I want my life to look like? I don't want to live and die in this one office. Although I love my job and I love all my team and everyone around me, I've built it to be, you know, awesome. And I just recently completed a, some M and a and just merged with another company as well. And within, mm -hmm. you know, six weeks I was, thinking what do I want to do next and it was well I want to be hang around with the smartest minds in the world I want to have great health and continue to evolve I want to spread awareness to a lot of this cool stuff that people just don't know about and I want to be in multiple countries around the world enjoying the sun and grounding so I was like well actually I've got this meetup group that's grown pretty quickly let's do a summit um I got to know Martin Tobias, as I say, the CEO of Upgrade Labs uh, well, just by chance. And he said, Tim, this is awesome. Like, I would love to invest. Like, let me let me take 50% of it and let's do this together. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, well, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. And, you know, Bulletproof and Upgrade are some of my favorite brands on the planet. But I, I would rather have pay you effects as well as a partner. And if I can get them to agree to take 25% and you take 25%, would you be up for it? And he went, you've got balls, but yeah, let's do it. I'm, I love it. So <laughs> the health optimization summit came around and obviously I've got the Titans behind me to help this happen because I, I'm not a conference guy. I'm, you know, I guess marketing historically mm -hmm. and the biohacker. So I wanted the best people behind me and through you know, I guess going to conferences and just being friendly and studying like a, like a crazy man for many years in this space, people realize that I seem to say that I know what I'm talking about. And, um, as a result, made a lot of friends. Like I got to know John Gray when he came to London and hung around with him a few times and his amazing, um, assistant that manages his life for him, Helena, who, who I love dearly. She's amazing. And um, the guys from Dry Farm Wines, who I met in Croatia, and, you know, David's become a very good friend of mine. And yeah. basically, I, I don't, I like to give without expecting anything in return ever, except for respect. And um, I'm really happy to help anyone. I really am. And as a result, you know, when it came to building this conference, I just said that I'd love you to speak. I want to bring everyone together for the first time ever, especially in Europe. Um, mm. starting with London because it's not been done before. And, you know, everyone said, yes, I'd love to help in any way I can, Tim. And that's how it's come about. So, you know, I've, I've had agencies, PR agencies ring me up and said, how did you manage to book John Gray? Yeah. And, and, and well, my answer in my head is I asked. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so that, that's how it's come together. So it's really big. I'm, I'm still pinching myself at where it is because, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be amazing. So, yeah. Well, the, the real answer is that you established a, a relationship with those people beforehand. And then, of course, they wanted to do, do something with their friends. And that's, you know, the, the law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you establish a relationship with these amazing people and they want to team up and they want to work mm -hmm. with other amazing people and they trust you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, most people probably couldn't book Tim Gray or Dave Asprey, right? Mm -hmm. But you did. And... Mm -hmm. 
because you knew you plugged in, you knew him, you established a relationship. Mm-hmm. But but it, it's an amazing. It looks like an amazing event, especially for like your first one, and you've got like the leaders in biohacking and health industry that are coming to speak at it. And yeah, <laughs> I'm impressed. It looks awesome. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm yeah, it's amazing. I'm very very happy. I I want to be in three stages all at the same time throughout the whole we're, oh, yeah. doing, we're doing we're completing the scheduling yesterday and i looked and i was just like i want to be there i want to be yeah. there it's like no move that one around and i was like hang on a minute this isn't the tim show this is for everyone else and it's like yes yeah, like, yes yeah but um but yeah no aubrey de gray's the future of longevity he talks about that he's flying around all around the world all the time and he's been kind enough to come to london which was great and obviously john gray we've got dave asprey who's obviously a headline keynote We've got um, Gerard Pollock, Professor Gerard Pollock, who's the guy behind fourth phase water, uh, i.e. the fourth phase of it, which is going to be incredible and all the implications for health and how that all ties together as well. Um, we've got our very own Simland from Estonia, who he's all about metabolic flexibility, autophagy, ketogenic diet and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's just like the names are just unbelievable. And that that's a mix of mind body and 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 environment so we've got shaman durek who's quite a big name in the states at the moment especially and he's where spirituality meets science and so that's going to be really interesting as well and then we've got uh yeah so i mean it's i could go on forever about these and every one of them is (laughs) hand-picked from sleep optimization to you know metabolic um optimization into cellular medicine hyperbaric oxygen therapy and everything in between yeah so what advice would you give to somebody that wanted to create their first summit or, um, or, or mastermind or workshop mm. or retreat uh, or conference with uh, influencers, mm. A players? What, what would you say to somebody that's like, I don't know where to start. Like I want mm. to, to create something, um, you know, with amazing people. Mm. Uh, what's the first, the first steps? Well, my first thing would be don't do it because <laughs> it's <laughs> – it's not really a business. It's more of a passion project. And sure, it is a platform for something else for later, but they're not money-making things. In fact, they cost money to put on. And um, it's a, if it's a platform for something else, which I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to bring everyone together and have an amazing time and get to know everyone and fuel health. And um, it's a very, as in terms of investment, well, it's not an investment. You put X pounds in, you might get minus X pounds back. Uh, I think when I, before I did it, I heard a podcast that Keith, who's uh, the founder of Paleo FX say, you know, you've got to be crazy to get into the, the conference business or the whatnot. He said, you just don't realize how much there is to it. And I laughed and listened to that podcast and went, I want to do it. Um, but I think every, there are so many moving parts. It's not as simple as getting some people in a room um, and some brands in a room and whatnot. There are so many intricacies. It's unbelievable. But if you like solving problems, like if you're good at mapping strategy and then figuring out a way around everything, then events is definitely a fun business because, and also you've got, you know, the the countdown timer that you cannot change as well. So it's a fight until the end. And luckily I've got the big guys behind me to help advise my team. And we've got, you know, people on seven different time zones. I think it works out as helping us. Um, So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, I would just say, have fun, meet everyone you can, become friends with everyone because that's where it starts. And 
um, I didn't meet these people to strategically. I just wanted to meet them because they're my heroes in, you know, and I've researched a lot of their work. But if you get to know the people and they, they believe in your vision and it is a good vision, i.e. it's, it's going to be a great product, then they'll be in. If it's a rubbish product and you're trying to sell ball bearing, you know, they're not going to be on board. Um, so it's about creating something special. And I really feel like that we have done that, especially for, for London. Yeah, I wish you the most success for sure because, um, you know, they, they there's a rule of thumb. I think the first the first event loses money, second event breaks even, third money, third event makes money. Uh, but I've done events, you know, for years, and there are so many moving parts. Everybody wants to do them. They think they can make a quick, you know, few hundred grand, mm. and uh, and then move on to the next thing. But it is a lot of stuff, and you know, it's a significant thing when people choose to travel halfway across the world just for an event that you put on mm -hmm. and there's a bit of pressure just in that respect because um if it doesn't go well you know there's a lot riding on your shoulders on your reputation mm -hmm. and uh, even though these people are are friends um you know they still want to want to be surrounded with the most professional people that are mm. doing things to the best of their ability and not cutting mm. corners yeah. as well well it's it, i mean martin martin from upgrade told me once um something significant i've never i've never told him this personally but we're sitting in the back of a, an uber one day talking about things and he told me about a book called thinking in bets and i've mentioned it to a few friends and close close friends but but thinking in bets is like if there's an 80% chance of a hand winning, you play that hand. You keep on playing that hand because 80 times out of 100, you'll win. 20% of the time, you won't. He said, but if you get an 80% hand that loses three times in a row, a lot of people will cal calibrate and say, oh, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, don't calibrate. Keep on playing that 80% hand. So it's about minimizing your risk as opposed to emotionally reacting to things. So for me, it was when, when I spoke to Martin and Keith originally, I was like, well, how do I minimize these chances and maximize the chances of like of bad things and maximize the chances of the good things. So what's the 80%? And, and that is exactly what I've done by partnering with Paleo FX and Upgrade Labs is like, how can I have the absolute best people on the planet that have done this many years in a row to make this an amazing event? And it yeah. still is my event. And Martin's words were when, when he replied to the email um, after talking for a while, he went, it's your conference our upgrade and I just went smooth and that's that's exactly where it is and that's why I think this is such a good synergy and for year one the lineup is monumental and we've got a very prestigious event in the center of London Olympia I'm so flattered and it's just been amazing for the ride it really has and speaking to some of the biggest names in the industry who are my my heroes you know at 10 11 o'clock at night every night sorting these yeah. things out. I'm like, this is a colleague. This is a friend. This is, you know, it's just yeah. a, it's amazing. So, I mean, it's worth it for the ride, definitely. And even if it's not profitable in terms of money, it's profitable in terms of experience and well, life experience and growth. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. That's, this is another good question that came up for me. You know, we're interviewing these influencers. We're, you know, when we're acting, interacting with, you know, major players or people that are just living high caliber lives and, and doing amazing things, you make friends with people that are um, significant in the influencing world. Mm. And so, 
I'd like to ask you this because you're gathering all these influencer influencers to this event. When you become, when you meet somebody that's an influencer or an A player or you know at the the top of their game, and you want to establish a, a friendship, yeah. how do you manage that instead of being the fanboy, instead of being you know in their in in their eyes as oh you know that's so and so he's just a fan of mine to being oh that's so and so he's my buddy. Mm. Uh, how do you balance that out? I just act naturally. That's it. I just, everyone is someone. And it, like, it's, someone said to me the other week, oh, I'm going to pitch to such and such a company, you know, one of the big ones. And I went, I'm really nervous. I was like, why? You're not pitching to the company. You're pitching to people. You're pitching to specific group of people. And each one of those are amazing people that spend time down the pub or with their kids or with their dog. And they're just people. If you look at them on an individual basis and just treat them like the person that they are, opposed to surrounding them with this thing called a company that is absolutely nothing, then you're going to be anxious and, and different. And I think it's just, it's just about being real and normal and ch- chatting to people. I, th- I think the term in psychology is assumed rapport. You treat someone like you've known them for years that's it end of and you know then it's a real relationship and people know you're being genuine opposed to being a fanboy you know everyone's someone and um you know i i I used to have a real barrier with it like i remember when i first met dr mccola and that was at the bulletproof conference 2017 and i was i was almost shaking um i you know I'd, i'd read a lot of his work i'd listened to a lot of his podcasts and he helped me through his the information he shared to reverse my mum's osteopenia and also my ex-girlfriend's uh, mum's osteoporosis. And so it's really important for me. And, and I met him, I was almost shaking. And then a year later after doing the meetup and having met a few people here, there and everywhere and gone to baby bathwater and met some really cool people. Um, it just kind of just dissipated. And the next time I saw him, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. I just spoke to him like he was a person because funnily enough, he is. <laughs> and uh, I kind of let go of any of that and just realized that these people are just awesome all in different ways and just be natural. That's it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like learning the discipline to treat all people, no matter uh, where they're at in life, equally like uh, just an interesting human being has gotten me farther and to meet more people and establish more relationships with these amazing entrepreneurs and, and A players. And um, you're, you're absolutely the right. And once you become a fan, uh, it's hard to step back into the friend zone. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And this is a friend zone you want to be in. You mm-hmm. Know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, a couple, couple real quick questions, and we'll wrap everything up. Um, for the average person, uh, not, not, not sick or ill or having any, any challenges, the average he- healthy person, what would you say are the three most important biohacks they could use? Sleep properly. Okay. <laughs> Sleep properly and hydrate properly. Um, okay. Those are the three. I mean, if you sleep properly, it will help your hormones rebalance. It will help you have mental clarity. It will help everything work properly. It starts with sleep. People that slept still survived, which shows that the ones that didn't sleep, while they probably didn't get eaten in their sleep, um, they, they didn't survive. The ones that do sleep continued. Therefore, it is an absolutely the most important thing that you can do before anything else. Sleep properly. Get an aura ring, track it, or get another one of the trackers if, if you don't want to wear a, 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 an aura ring. Uh, the second thing is hydrate and add the right minerals in. Get some Himalayan rock salt, have a little bag with you 
everyone would think it's a bag of drugs, but it's not. So you're fine. Um, and just sprinkle it in your water that you're drinking throughout the day and try to drink less than two liters. You'll see a big difference in mental clarity, uh, emotions and life in general. Okay, I'm going to put that on my star that on my list. Get some more <laughs> Himalayan rocks. We have some here at the house, but I don't put it in my water. So I'm going to try that. Um, great, man. Uh, I think last question, if people want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Instagram the, the, is the main one. Uh, I'm at Tim Biohacker, or one word. That's, Tim Biohacker. Yeah. Or, yeah. or obviously the Summit website, which is healthoptimization.com with an S helped. Yeah. So it's O P T I M I S A T I O N for us Americans. Optimization spelled with an S. Just Google health optimization summit. Google knows what it's doing these days. (laughs) (laughs) It might catch Um, on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, buddy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure chatting with you as always. Thank you so much for sharing all your tips and tricks and and methods with us. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.